Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast, and we've got a guest at the top of the show, Ethan Joyce, a sports writer from Winston-Salem Journal, uh, who covers App State football, joins us. Ethan, how are you? I'm good, guys. Hope you're doing well. You know, App State is an overwhelming favorite in the Sun Belt once again. What are your expectations for the team this year? Well, you know, they've been the favorite the last few years now, and part of that is just because of this this now senior class that they have on this team. Um, you know, you're looking at an offense that has a two-year starter returning in Zach Thomas, who's a, a real dual threat. He's got a lot of weapons around him. Four out of the uh, Four out of the five, starters or I should say four out of the five projected starters uh, for this offensive line are they're going to be seniors um, yeah, and that depends on who ends up taking over the left tackle spot um, and then you've got a defense that's just you know a, a lot of guys that are, are stepping into maybe some more some more responsibility but those guys are also guys that kind of found spots to fill in from time to time last year for a team that was 13 and one and beat two power five schools in UNC and South Carolina. I mean, the expectations are high and I think it's unfortunate that this team has kind of seen its season go the way it has, at least the way it started as far as losing some of the big matchups they had, they had games against Wisconsin and Wake Forest set up, um, which, you know, depending on how they played in those games would have been some really good early resume boosters to be in that, you know, group of five new year six bid conversation, but this is going to be a really good team. And, you know, they've, they should they should be able to win the Sun Belt Conference again and, and be in a, a good quality bowl yet again if, if there's a bowl season. <laughs> Let's put you on the spot right away. What's your prediction for the game against Charlotte? What do you think is the overall score? You know, that's a good question. I think Charlotte is a is a good program and a building program and you know, I don't think they're at the at the place that App State is yet, obviously, just because one, they don't have the the history of a program, um, you know, they're still really building stuff, but I'm a real big fan of, of Will Healy and kind of what he's doing. Um, you know, the game that they played last year was a really, really close game and like closer than I think people expected. And, you know, without Darrington Evans scoring as many touchdowns as he did, both in the running back position and on an onside kick, you know, it's a, it's a pretty hairy situation without him putting on a Superman performance. I think, yeah, I don't know if I can give you a full-on final score. I think App should win by, you know, a two-touchdown margin. But, I I mean, you know, it's just hard to say because, as you saw from some of these games the last weekend, you're seeing some sloppy play and maybe some, some of the technical stuff not being as sharp as they normally would be at the start of a football season. And so, you know, I'm curious to see how that plays into this game. I think App should win. Um, but I really like that Charlotte program a lot. According to Bovada Sportsbook, uh, they have Appalachian State as the overwhelming favorite at home at minus 17 points over Charlotte. So that's that that's the score. Okay. What's a matchup you look out for during Saturday's game? You know, I'm um, I'm really interested to see how the App State defense does with Charlotte's rushing attack. Um, you know, that was a that was a strength that Charlotte had last year, and you know, part of that was Benny Lemay. Uh, you know, a guy that ended up, I think he's a practice squad guy in the NFL right now, but was just a very, very good uh, college running back. The, the new defensive coordinator at App State is a guy named Dale Jones, and he's been at App for a long time. I think this is either, this is, 
he's in 20 plus years at app um but he had a one-year stint with louisville last year following scott satterfield from app state to louisville um so he's back and one of the things that he pointed out during some of his pregame stuff is just that he saw a lot of tape from last year where the run fits just wasn't exactly right and any coach that's worked with Dale Jones has talked about his ability to, to run fit against an opponent. Um, so I think that, you know, you might see it a chance for app state to really put a lot of pressure on that running game and not see as many of those explosive plays that Charlotte got last year. Um, but you know, that's, that's kind of where I'm looking to see how this defense kind of comes out and looks at the start, especially trying to stop those, those run run games. Uh, Ethan, it seems like every year the the Mountaineers have a new head coach. What can we expect from from the new man in charge, Sean Clark? You know, so I think Sean is going to be a fun mix to watch play out. Um, you know, he was he came back to App to work under Scott Satterfield, um, and he was retained by Eli Drinkwitz when Eli was here in 2019. Um, and you know, this is his dream job. He's talked about that a lot. And, you know, he's, he's talked about how important the run game is to, to App State's offense. And if you ever watch Scott Satterfield play, I, I, I always said it was like, you know, watching a boxer trying to get a, an opponent to lean and just, like, get them leaning and then all at once catches them with a, with a big shot. You know, that was, that was the Scott Satterfield offense. I think Eli, when he came to App, he really showed that you could have a strong running game and maybe throw the ball a little bit more. Um, you know, you had a few receivers that had, you know, some of their highest productions under Eli Drinkwitz. And so I think, I think you're going to see a lot of the, the successful run games of the past from that Scott Satterfield era. But I'm interested to see how maybe Sean tries to blend the way Sat attacks on the, on the past and the way Eli kind of used some of those guys last year. Zach Thomas has been a stabilizing force for this team for the last couple of years. Just being around him and following him and covering him, uh, what can you tell me about the signal caller? Zach is a uh, is a cool customer, man. He um, he's very laid back, and I think one of his one of the one of his best traits is that he just I mean he just has an ability to make a play, and I think that's yeah that's kind of a cliche thing to say. Um, about a football player but you know when you're talking about a dual threat quarterback you know you really have to take that into consideration he really kind of came came out with a with a big bang against Penn State two years ago and ever since then he's just been a guy that you know he's he's just as valuable as a runner as he is as a passer and I think last year last year was a good step for him in the evolution of being a quarterback because Eli's offense kind of asked him to stay in the pocket a little bit more and he's even mentioned that, you know, this year he's noticed looking back at some of last year's tapes that there were some times where he was a little too uh, jittery in the pocket and, like, moving around too much, and it kind of made it a little more difficult for some of his O-linemen to kind of hold that protection. And, uh, you know, I think you're going to see a, a very polished Zach Thomas come out when, when he really gets rolling this season. And, and you know, he's, he's got to be a running threat, and it's going to be fun to watch him kind of maybe have a little more uh, – a little more free reign to run some more again, like like he did in 2018. When he won uh, the Sun Belt Offensive Player of the Year, right? Mm-hmm. Are you expecting another huge season from him where he's going to walk away with the Offensive Player of the Year again if he stays healthy? I mean, I'd be surprised if he didn't just because of the weapons he has. Um, 
you lose Darrington Evans out of the out of the backfield, but they've got three running backs that can do a lot of things and, you know, have shown some ability to catch the football. Um, you know, Darrington was a guy that really flashed his ability to catch a football a little more than I think we had previously seen. But, you know, he's got a lot of great wide receivers, too, and that's even with Corey Sutton opting out for the 2020 season. Um, you know, Corey was a, a big target, a guy that could go up and get the ball. And, you know, he's, he's got a guy in Thomas Hennigan that's just as sure-handed as can be. And, you know, he's got a really good option in the slot, too, with Malik Williams. And Jalen Virgil, which is going to be a guy that benefits most from, from Corey's departure, Virgil is, I mean, he's an off-the-bus all-star, and he's gotten a lot better as he's gone along as a pass catcher. And I think, you know, he's, he's got NFL speed. And if he can show those skills, I think he could really be a, a sneaky guy to kind of watch out for as far as this season goes. Is the O-line the, the strength of this team? You mentioned that they have four seniors coming back. It, it has to be the, the overwhelming strength of this squad. Yeah, yeah. So they've, um, you know, four out of five starters returned from last year, and that's, for, that's, your, that's your left guard all the way over to your right tackle. The left guard, the center, and the right guard are, sen- are seniors, um, and the uh, the right tackle is a sophomore, if I'm thinking correctly. So right now, it's really just trying to figure out that left tackle spot, and it's a battle between Cole Garrison, which is a, a, another senior and a guy that's kind of been the, the utility man, and he, he can play just about any position he needs to on the offensive line. Um, so it's between him and a, and a younger guy named Anderson Hardy, who's a, a big kid. They got some time last year kind of in spells for last year's starter. But, yeah, I mean, it's a really strong offensive line. And, I mean, Sean Clark, the new head coach, is an offensive, is the former offensive line coach. And, like, he's always going to put an emphasis on the offensive line. But this whole offense is talented. I don't, I don't know if I could call one thing a strength that stands out above all because they, they really just have an absurd amount of talent um, in the Sun Belt. Ethan Joyce is with us right now, writer for Winston-Salem Journal. There seems to be no shortage of running backs at App State. They seem to reload, and they go two or three running backs deep. But we saw two years ago, we saw Jalen Moore. Last year, you mentioned Darrington Evans, who was drafted by the Titans. Who is the next guy up in the backfield? Who is the main guy this year? Yeah, I think so right now they're listing three guys as, as a potential starter, which um, I think it goes to show just how versatile they feel that those groups are. I'll give you the guys, and I'll give you who I think maybe can can stand up. There's a guy named Marcus Williams, who is a uh, you know kind of your muscle back, like really can plow through for the few yards when you need to get him. There's another guy named Dacher Harrington, who has really shown some good flashes of speed. He's had a couple of injuries in his career that's maybe kind of prevented him from taking off as as much as he can. And he's a guy that I'm really interested to watch because he's just got such a such a strong attitude and is like really just this really good example of perseverance. Um, and then there's a guy named Cameron Peoples who Cameron was a guy that Scott Satterfield recruited, and I can remember Sat saying something along the lines of, "You know, he could be an all-time great here by the time it's said and done because he's got some speed, but he's also like six foot two and 215 pounds, just a really different shape." For a running back right now and you know he got hurt last year and you didn't really get to see kind of how how he was maybe going to develop either I, like, I'm really interested to see all of them I think as far as total package goes Cam is that total package guy um, but you know 
all those guys are good. I think, I, like, I'm really interested to see how how the departure of Darrington Evans kind of benefits Daytrick Harrington because I think Daytrick is is a guy that just looks so strong this year, and he's really put in the work to try to stay healthy. And like I say, all that stuff is, you know, Marcus Williams has been a guy that's just been chronically overlooked his entire career. And he's one of my favorite runners to watch because he just has a great amount of like wiggle to him when he gets in into when he gets the ball and he's trying to weave through that offensive line. Like I I I don't know if I could if I would place a bet on who who I think is going to stand up because as soon as I decide there it could be another guy, I have no idea. But they're all really talented. And they're going to be fun to watch. We're going to put you on the spot. Can you give us a young guy that is ready to step up this year at App State? And we're not talking about a senior. We're talking about an yeah. underclassman. It's a little bit tough this year because you didn't have spring practice. You didn't get to watch this team at depth, but you've been able to, to see a little bit of them the, the past couple of weeks. And I'm just curious if, if there's anybody that, that stood out to you. Yeah, so – I'll give you one that I like, and then I'll give you one the coaches have talked up quite a bit. A guy named Brendan Harrington, who played quite a bit as a true freshman last year, like played so much that he he wasn't able to preserve his red shirt. But he's a guy that's going to be an outside linebacker for them, um, and he's going to be taking over the spot that Akeem Davis Gaither used to have, and Akeem got drafted by the Bengals um, in this last draft. Brendan is is incredibly smart and is just this very, like, long and rangy guy. And I think, like Akeem, he could be one of those guys that just shows up all over the field, and at the end of the game, you look, and he has, like, 16 total tackles or something like that. He's gonna, I think he's going to really, really do well in, in this defense with more responsibility. Um, as far as the, a, a guy that coaches have talked up a lot, um, there's a true freshman wide receiver named Christian Horn. And that's been a guy that stood out to, to coaches a lot during this fall camp. And I think in part of that was because, like I mentioned, Corey Sutton decided to opt out. And it kind of gave a, some guys a lot more opportunity to, to kind of get in the mix a little bit. But Christian's a guy they've really been impressed with since he's gotten on campus. And, you know, you might see him in a few games and kind of really set the tone for him as he goes in his career as being like maybe – one of those next guys to be a, a starter and, and, and a star wide receiver at F-State. Is Sean Jolly the best player on this defense? Best play? I mean, he's definitely the best prospect right now. Best player, I think that's, that'd be tough to say. Like, I think DBs are tough, especially someone that's had a, a such a great year like Sean did last year. Um, I think he's probably going to be avoided quite a bit more this year. You know, there's no doubt in that guy's talent, though. Like, he's, he's like, wildly successful. I'm, you know, he has two – he gets two pick sixes last year, five interceptions total, and it was really his first season as a starter. And, you know, when it started out, you know, going back to that first Charlotte game last year, you know, there were, there were a couple plays where touchdowns were made and Sean Jolly was right there covering it. And it was just, like, a great ball, a great catch. Um, and he just happened to be on the on the wrong end of it. And he grew so much from the start of that season to the end of the season. You know, I guess I, I think you could probably call him the most talented guy because at the end of the day, he he produced so well last year that I, I don't know. I don't know who I would try to label otherwise. You know, I would say as far as like maybe pure talent goes, 
DeMarco Jackson at inside linebacker is an incredibly athletic guy. And he's a guy that's stepping into a lot more responsibility thanks to some graduations. But um, DeMarco is going to be a guy that could be really, really good at app. Looking on the other side, what are the holes in this defense? What do you think they should do to fix them? You know, I think um, – I don't know if they necessarily have any holes. Like, I think the guys that they're, they're plugging departures up with are, are going to be good. Um, I'm interested to see how the middle of this defense does. And, you know, not so much the first level in the defensive line, but second level, third level, you've got, you've got two kind of – two inside linebackers that started some last year, but now they're, they're going to be relied on more than ever. Um, you've got two new starters at safety, and they're replacing guys that had really played well together the last couple of years, and, and Josh Thomas and Desmond Franklin. But one of the th- one of the defining traits of, of App State, especially since they've made this this shift up to FBS, is the quality of their their secondary. Um, it seems like that's like the best export that App State football has, um, right? You know, in in their short FBS history. Um, you've seen a lot of guys from the Mountaineers secondary go on and get some unsigned free agent deals with NFL teams, and you know quite a few have stuck. Um, so I'm interested to see how how quickly those guys get into form. But you know I don't know if I'd call them holes because I I think I think they just got a lot of really good talent, and you know they're getting they're finally getting their opportunity. Ethan, that's all the questions I have for you. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, no problem, guys. Anytime. Thanks a lot. All right, let's go around the NFL. It's week one of the NFL season, and there's a ton of news. Players getting signed to, to big-time contracts. There are a couple of injuries to, to talk about. And let's start with the major news that just occurred on Tuesday. And I'm sure Denver fans are, are going crazy right now. I mean, Von Miller suffered in... A freak ankle injury during Tuesday's practice that will need surgery, and apparently he will miss the entire season. This is crazy news for the Denver Broncos fans that had high hopes this year. I mean, there was there was a lot of wild card talk around this team. They actually believed that they had a good defense, they had a young nucleus on offense, but this is brutal, Ed. Yeah, and I mean, it's almost one of those things where you almost like, you you just want to fast forward to the draft and fast forward to next year. But I mean, I, th- I think the big goal for the Broncos at this point this year is, you know, find out what you have in Drew Locke. I mean, just, you know, find out, is he your guy? Is he not? Because that that's really the main goal. I mean, there are people around Denver who are pretty hopeful. I'm I'm not as hopeful and so I, it's just, it's just a, I, I think it's just a big question mark. And you really only know, like, just like J- Daniel Jones, you only really know till you throw him in the fire. Vic Fangio is a very creative defensive coordinator. He's obviously the head coach of the the Denver Broncos. But losing Von Miller, and now there are reports that Bradley Chubb is going to be used sparingly in the beginning of the season and he's coming off an ACL injury, that's tough because, I mean, I'm not really high on their secondary except for Justin Simmons. They they lost Chris Harris. Do they have anybody up front? I mean, the defense is going to have to play as a collective group. I think Fangio will be able to figure it out, but there's just nobody out there that would just scare people. On offense, 
if Drew Locke can't succeed with the weapons that they have there, then he's just not the right guy. You have to move on because you have Jerry Judy, you have Cortland Sutton, you have Noah Fant. You know, obviously there are a couple of running backs out there, Philip Lindsay, the signing of Melvin Gordon. I mean, this is like a perfect situation for Drew Locke. You know that opponents are going to score a lot on this defense. And uh, th- this is your opportunity to kind of answer back and-, and show that you have an explosive offense at Denver. Yeah, but I mean, on the offensive side, the thing that, that kind of worries me is I like them at the skill positions, but I, I, I kind of wonder, I mean, do they have enough firepower on the offensive line to kind of hold things together for Drew Locke? Yeah, it's brutal, especially on the bookends. And we're talking about the left tackle position where Garrett Bowles is there. And then they, they have some problems at right tackle as well. I think they're pretty good on the interior. I think they've done a good job drafting people. And Lloyd Cushenberry is going to be the starting center. You have Dalton Reisner at one of the guard spots. I think they'll be okay at the interior offensive line position. But on the bookends, I think they're going to struggle at... A big deal but this is just crushing this is this is a blow to the Denver Broncos and their season hopes out there Thursday night game the Texans open up with the Chiefs the Chiefs are at home and according to Bovada the Chiefs are obviously the the favorites in this game minus 9.5 nine and a half they're getting against Texans Deshaun Watson just signed an extension. Uh, obviously, he signed a, a four-year, $160 million contract extension with the Houston Texans with $111 million guaranteed. His average annual salary is $40 million. Now it puts him behind only Mahomes in this category. Dak Prescott is, is sitting somewhere, and he's jealous of, of Deshaun Watson because he, he got the deal that, that Prescott wanted all along. What can we expect from the Texans this year? The Chiefs are the favorites in this game, but just in general, you and I seem to disagree about the Texans. You're a lot higher on them than I am. Well, I mean, I guess if I could put a thesis in, as I just think the Texans are an average team. I think they're a 500 team. And you, you're kind of. It sounds like from your perspective, is you're you're really down on them. You think they're a team that could be picking in the top five next year. I am, Ed. I am. I just think that, look, the worst team in the NFL is the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is that is a given. If they surprise people and even if they don't draft in the top five next year, that would be like a win situation for them because, hey, they're, they're tanking. And I said this last week. The Washington football team comes in second. I would say the Chicago Bears are pretty bad, but... Uh, they they just tabbed Mitchell Trubisky as the starting quarterback, and I just don't think that that's the right decision. And I think the fourth team is the Houston Texans. I think they're the fourth worst team in the entire NFL. They're probably the second worst team in the AFC. And I just think that you have Deshaun Watson. He's great. He's proven his doubters wrong. He's a playmaker, something that he did at Clemson, and he continued to do it with the Houston Texans. But you have Deshaun Watson and you have J.J. Watt. What else do you have around them? You don't have much else. Laramie Tunsil is an average left tackle. I think we saw that last year. And I just I look at their defense. They're not as strong as they used to be at, in the secondary. They don't have Jadavian Clowney anymore. Obviously, he moved on. I think Bill O'Brien is just 
in over his head. I don't think they have... Are you telling me that David Johnson is actually going to come out and all of a sudden become uh, what we saw from him that one year with the Arizona Cardinals? I don't think so. And he's the lead back there. And in terms of the weapons at the wide receiver position, Brandon Cooks is okay, but Will Fuller can't stay healthy. I just don't see how the Houston Texans can compete in a very competitive AFC South division. I think this is a 4-12, and 5-11 and 11 team. And if you look at their schedule in September, it's really brutal. I mean, this team could start off 0-4. They'll be down and out. And then you know how that goes. I mean, teams have a horrible September, then you could never recover from it. And I just think that's what's awaiting the Houston Texans this year. Well, I, I just think they have some pieces that are going to keep them upright. And, I mean, number one is Deshaun Watson now has his big contract. I think he's ready. I think he's going to be primed for a big year. And you know what? He has a good receiving core. I mean, he has three guys you can rely on. I mean, he's got Brandon Cooks. He's got Will Fuller, who who's really come on the last couple of years of his career. And 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 then you've got... um. You've got Randall Cobb, who you know was was Aaron Rodgers, one of Aaron Rodgers' targets for many years. So you 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 look good in the receiving end. I I'm not saying the Texans' defense is anything special, but I mean, as fact is, is they have J.J. Watt and he's going to be healthy starting Week One. It that that defense should be all right. So this is not this is not a sinking ship yet. Football is a team sport, Ed. This isn't basketball where you get LeBron. And then you you put Anthony Davis, you have two players, they can play give and go with each other, little pick and roll. This isn't basketball where one player can get the team into the playoffs if he's really good, like Russell Westbrook or LeBron. This is football. You have 22 players on the football field, 11 on offense, 11 on defense. And when I look at their roster... Bill O'Brien is in over his head. I'm calling for his job. I think he's a a decent enough head coach, but he's really brutal when it comes to managing the roster. And obviously he is is the GM there. We saw it with DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he just, he let him go for peanuts, basically. And now Hopkins has agreed to a two-year extension worth $54.5 million. The contract includes more than $40 million at signing and makes Hopkins the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history. What do you think about this? Obviously, the Arizona Cardinals, once they traded for him, they were going to sign him to an extension. But this is like a slap in the face, in Bill O'Brien's face. Well, I I think this was a good move by the the Arizona Cardinals. And you know what? They need to build some pieces. I mean, they've committed to Kyler Murray as being their quarterback going forward. And so... I mean, you got to get him a good receiver, and so he's got DeAndre Hopkins. So, I mean, really, really, you know, you 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 build up their offensive line, you build up, you build up, you know, you get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, and you run the ball, and um, you know, then then you kind of have a, a stable offense, or at least you know if Kyler Murray is your guy. So, yeah, I I think this is this is the right move in the right direction. Um, I I still have my questions about Kyler Murray, you know, as far as the Cardinals, and they play in a tough division, but. At the same time, it's it's uh, if they believe in Kyler Murray, then they are making the right moves to their offense. The game of the week this week um, during week one of the NFL season is the Bucks versus the Saints. That is the big game. 
It is the granddaddy of them all, like Keith Jackson used to say. That was his famous phrase when it came to college football. The Bucks versus the Saints, and according to Bavada, the Saints are the favorites this week. They're minus three and a half. That, that's what they're getting. They're at home. The Saints are still the overwhelming team to, to take that division, even though the Bucks have become kind of that dark horse team. Let's talk about this this game. 43-year-old Brady takes on 41-year-old Drew Brees. Will this game be a shootout, Ed? I, I don't I wouldn't say it's a shootout. I mean I think I think there will be some I think there's some defense. I mean, don't forget the uh the Saints have a very good defensive line. That's something to consider in all this. I mean they, they have a good secondary as well. I mean if you look at it, led by Marshawn Lattimore out there, they, they do have a good secondary and they can match up. If there's one team out there in the NFC South that can match up with the Bucks because the Bucks have a lot of weapons at wide receiver at tight end. It'll definitely be the, the the Saints because they have a couple of versatile a few versatile safeties. They've got Marshawn Lattimore. So it's gonna be interesting. I just think this game is going to be in the 40s if we're talking about this is going to be like 45 41 Tom Brady and Drew Brees I I think are going to throw for a lot of yards they're going to throw for a lot of touchdowns I certainly don't see a defensive battle here and I don't think the Saints are going to run away with it because if if the Saints jump out on top with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara um, I, I think the Bucks are definitely going to get back into this just because look at the weapons that they have. I mean, Mike Evans in his prime, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard. The, there's been talk about him that he's actually outshined Rob Gronkowski in training camp and he can finally live up to his potential of being a first-round pick. So the Bucks are no slouch here. And I just, I think this game, the Bucks could take this game just because of the experience that they have there, but I'm just curious whether they have enough in the secondary. Do you think that Bucks secondary is going to be able to keep up with you know those weapons that they have? Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Emmanuel Sanders, who was a plus, who was added in the offseason by the Saints. Do you think the Bucks have a shot there to to kind of stay close? No, I I, I I'm I'm really worried about the Bucks secondary in this game. Um, but you know what? I I will say this. I think they're going to be able to stop the run, and I think if they, if they're going to win this game on the defensive side of the ball, they're gonna they're gonna stop the run and they're gonna force they're gonna force Drew Brees to throw the ball. But to be honest with you, forcing Drew Brees to throw the ball doesn't isn't I mean it's it's no harm no foul for the Saints in this game. I think Antoine Winfield Jr. will be at the X factor for the Bucks um, in terms of the secondary. I think. He's one of those playmakers. Well, we saw it last year at Minnesota. He was one of those playmakers that came up against the run. He showed great range and ball skills. And he's going to be a starter at one of the safety spots. And I've heard Arians really praise Antoine Winfield Jr. during training camp. He kind of compared him to Honey Badger. And Arians obviously coached Honey Badger when he was with the Cardinals. He really talked them up. He said he's one of the smartest players that that I've seen. And that's quite a praise from a head coach that's been around the game for as long as Arians has been around the NFL with the Steelers, with with the Cardinals, and and now with with the Bucs. So I think 
Antoine Winfield Jr. is going to have to play that key role because he can line up in the slot. He can be that deep safety. We'll see what he comes up with. But I just think that the Bucks secondary has a few pieces out there that they've added. Uh, during the offseason uh, just I have high hopes for Antoine Winfield Jr. By the way, on a side note a little bit, the Bucks added Josh Rosen, who was cut by the Dolphins. They added him to the practice squad. Byron Leftwich was actually his offensive coordinator there when Rosen was the rookie starter um, for the Cardinals. And now they get him here. I feel sorry for Josh Rosen, to be honest with you. You always talk about Ed that you want a young quarterback to go to a perfect situation. Well, Josh Rosen has been in the worst situation possible at first with the Cardinals and then with the Dolphins when they basically got rid of all their best players. Now they added Tua. Josh Rosen is no longer needed. He's still a young quarterback. Can the Bucks repair him? Can Leftwich and Arians work with Rosen and get him back to where he was a top 10 pick a few years back. Well, I think Brady is the best quarterback to learn from. Just, to, you know, the way he prepares, his competitiveness, um, just, you know, the the way he, the, the knowledge of the game that Brady has. I mean, there is no better quarterback for him to pick. And I mean, you know, when, when you're Josh Rosen, I think you, I think you have your choice of what team you could go to and what practice squad you could go to. And I think he could have even taken more money other places but this is a great situation for him. There was some talk when the Patriots were drafting that year with Josh Rosen that they were talking about the Patriots maybe trading up to get Josh Rosen. So I mean that that kind of that kind of old Patriots uh you know that brass I mean was interested in Josh Rosen and thought that Brady and Rosen would be a good match for each other. So I mean there is a historical precedent for this. Jadavian Clowney finally signed a contract he was added to the Tennessee Titans they signed him to a one-year contract the the Titans keep getting richer on the defensive side I mean if Clowney is healthy this is a great addition for Tennessee no doubt about it I mean the problem with Clowney is his durability I mean he is he is a great athlete I mean I heard I heard of this theory and I mean we could go into more but it there's a theory that he's almost so athletic that he's injury prone I mean, I, I, is that is that the problem he's having? But I mean, uh, at the other end of things is like he he seems like the kind of athlete that you know he he could get hurt many years and still have a long NFL career. You know, there's one thing that really followed Jadavian Clowney since his college days. It's his work ethic, and I just think that's probably been his his biggest thing that has kind of held him back. He's been a good player. But he never materialized into this great player because, I mean, when you draft a player first overall, which the Houston Texans did, they were hoping that Jadavian Clowney was going to become this terror off the edge, that he was going to become this Vaughn Miller. He became a very good run defender, but a very average pass rusher. And I just think the one thing that has, and I've read this over and over again, whether it was with the Texans, whether it was with the Seahawks, Work ethic has has always been a problem for Jadavian Clowney. He's been so athletic and so fast, and everything came naturally to him. that He just never developed this, and I think that has haunted him, that has followed him, and unfortunately, I mean, eventually your body gives out, 
if you're not working at a, as hard on your craft on the practice field it's definitely gonna follow you around you're gonna have injuries you're not gonna have you're gonna have up and down games I mean when he wants to turn it on he's able to do that you see that it's almost like when Clowney wants to play or wants to get paid He's going to show up for like four or five games, but then it's the same player that can disappear for the next four or five games. So I think that's probably been the biggest thing. It's not him being really athletic. I think that work ethic has has held him back, and it's unfortunate because he's probably one of the most athletic players to ever come into the NFL in the last 20, 25 years. Another game we wanted to cover, the Packers versus the Vikings. Uh, Bavada has the Vikings minus two and a half at home what do you think about this game i mean can the packers exploit the vikings biggest weakness on defense and it's hard for me to say this because mike zimmer has always had a great secondary with the vikings but they've lost three guys from that secondary this offseason and mike hughes who's a former first round pick seems to be their top corner what do you think about this? Can Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers exploit Vikings secondary? Because they don't have much else outside of Devontae Adams. Well, you know, the cornerback position is a big weakness for their Vikings. And their 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 scouting staff has done a, a you know, has has failed them there because they've drafted the position. So, I mean, I, I, I give the scouting staff kind of a, a bad mark there. But I will say this. They've done a great job finding two good safeties. Yeah, they have. Uh, absolutely. I mean, th- those guys. And the fact is, I mean, Anthony Harris was an undrafted free agent. Harrison Smith was thought of as a reach when they drafted him. But he became the, the stalwart of that secondary. And like I said, Anthony Harris is a player I was high on when he was coming out. I was surprised he didn't get drafted. He has become a, a big-time safety in this league. But they're going to have to protect those corners. I hope that that defensive line is going to be able to to get after the quarterback because they added Yannick Ngakwe. Obviously, they, they have some weapons up front. We've, they've got Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks. I mean, this is going to be a team that's going to be able to stop the run. And that's why I'm thinking, like, can the Packers exploit it? I mean, do you have the Vikings in this game or do you have the Packers? I have the Vikings because they're at home. And I think they have a few little advantages. Um, I think they're going to be able to run the ball with Dalvin Cook. I think they have a good defensive line. You know, Daniil Hunter um, is, is is really a very good player, and um, you know shouldn't be overlooked in this game. So I I don't I I think the Packers have a very average secondary, and I think I think Kirk Cousins will have a decent day. I think he'll have an average day. I don't think he'll have a bad day. You made. A comment last week, I mean, you decided to go with the team that, that you felt could go from last to first, and that's the Detroit Lions. I mean, they are your pick to to take the NFC North division. Well, this week they got richer, Ed. They added Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was let go by the Washington football team because they felt like they needed to move move forward and see the younger players on their roster. They didn't feel like keeping Adrian Peterson was a good thing for them just because they're rebuilding. Adrian Peterson got picked up by your Lions. I'm not saying he's going to help this week, but this is a really good signing, I mean, to add AP. Well, this is this is how I see it. 
I, I see this as a Matt Patricia sort of Bill Belichick kind of move. It's kind of like when, when the Patriots brought in Randy Moss, although although Randy Moss was more in the prime of his career with the Patriots. The, the Patriots were known for taking these guys, and Josh McDaniels is in that coach injury, taking these guys who were great players in their prime and, you know, just are, are kind of old and still want to play football and know a lot about the game and will probably be a good influence in the locker room. And that's that's exactly what Adrian Peterson is going to play. I mean, he doesn't really help you much in the pass blocking department. He's probably going to help you run a little bit, but I don't, I don't see him as, you know, I see him as a very – middle of the road running back this isn't the this isn't the kind of move that's gonna that's gonna put the the lions in any better you know a much better position i think maybe from a locker room standpoint it might help them and maybe maybe you know it'll help them win the division but i don't i don't i don't think you know just on the field i don't think you're gonna see the stats stats really correlate to a much of an improvement for the lions well carry on johnson has been injury prone uh who the lions drafted on day two, a couple of years back, he showed some promise, but he just has not been able to stay healthy. They drafted DeAndre Swift, who's going to help him as a receiving back, but AP is going to be that first, second down guy. I think they're selling him a bit short. Adrian Peterson is 35 years old right now, and I'll give you that, but he keeps himself in the best shape possible. Last year, this is still a player that rushed for almost 900 yards. Two years ago, on a bad Washington football team, he rushed over a thousand yards. A thousand yards, Ed. That's incredible. Usually, running backs. I mean, we see what's happening with David Johnson out there. Usually, running backs over thirty, especially with AP's injury history, and he's had some durability concerns. But he's done a great job keeping himself in shape. That leads me to my next question. Do you think Adrian Peterson is a Hall of Famer? And do you think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yeah, uh, I, I, I actually would say he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's just he he's just had such a great career with the Vikings. And sure, he has the numbers. But I mean, he's just, he's just an unbelievable athlete. He's kind of that 1% athlete. And um, you know this what he does this year I mean if he if he goes and wins the Super Bowl I mean not that he's gonna win a Super Bowl but if he goes and wins the division you know and plays that veteran role yeah it'll 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 pad his resume but he's he's already gonna get in I mean he's he's he I mean he's one of probably I mean you know the Barry Sanders was kind of like the past generation the generation before his great running back I mean Adrian Peterson you know there's Ladanian Tomlinson and then I think Adrian Peterson was kind of like that that generation's running back. Do you think it's going to hurt him just not being going into the Hall of Fame in the 1990s when running backs mattered? You know, we're talking about like Barry Sanders and Emmett Smith when people looked at these running backs in a different way. Obviously, this position has been undervalued for so long. Do you think that's going to hurt Adrian Peterson? I think I agree with you that he is a Hall of Famer. I don't think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer just because of what's going on with the running back position currently it's just it's just he's been the star and i mean he has he has he has really helped the teams that he's played for and he you know he they haven't treated him like in his career like they treat some of these running backs where you know he you know he only plays four or five years and then they go and draft another guy i mean he's he's had the longevity in his career that is rare in running backs he's you know he has the stats that pretty out out produce pretty much anyone else of the years he played played the same years as him 
I think he's, you know, if, if that generation of that, you know, sort of 15 year period had had a, he, he is, he is that, that generation's running back. Well, he definitely has had a, a storied career. He's gone over a thousand yards eight times over his span. He spent 10 years with the Minnesota Vikings. Then he spent some time with the Saints. He went to Arizona and then he's been with the Washington team for the last two years, now he gets picked picked up by the Lions. So obviously, they'll use him. He's had a storied career: over fourteen thousand rushing yards, nearly five yards per carry, a hundred and eleven rushing touchdowns. Incredible what he's been able to do, and the fact that he was able to gain over a thousand yards two years ago, uh, being way over thirty, uh, speaks volumes of you know the guy just takes care of his body and. He wants to continue to play because, hey, he's he can still do it on Sundays. It's amazing because his running style, it's an upright running style, and he just runs over people, but he's got the speed, he's got the vision. He can run over those big linebackers once he gets onto the second level. I've always enjoyed Adrian Peterson when he played with the Oklahoma Sooners and when he played with the Vikings. He just had this unique running style that... Not many backs can can take the pounding that he has taken. Just looking at his stats, looking at his career, I take my hat off to him. It's been it's been a pleasure watching. I just, I just want to say something else with the Hall of Fame thing is I think I think there will be a sort of a political interest in getting a running back to represent this generation in the Hall of Fame. So I I think that's the, I mean if you, if you're debating whether he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer or just a Hall of Famer. I th- I think I think there's going to be a want of interest to get a guy, uh, a guy who was a running back and a, and I mean running back has been a position that the NFL has always promoted. I mean you look at you look at Heisman trophies and you look at you know the NFL MVPs. You know they give they give that award to MV to, to running backs. So I I think I think he's I think he's in the right political situation. All right, we've got one final NFL game to talk about before we move on. It's the Cowboys versus the Rams. Bavada has the Dallas Cowboys as the favorite in this game, minus three on the road against the Los Angeles Rams. This is the only team out of all the all the games that we talked about that is favored on the road. Let's talk about the Cowboys. You and I are high on them. They've obviously had a, a tough week as well. Sean Lee was placed on injured reserve. Lyle Collins was their starter at right tackle, who had a really good year last year. He's on the injured reserve as well. Haha, Clinton Dix was released. That was kind of surprising. And everybody thought Earl Thomas was going to get signed, but that didn't happen. So it seems like Xavier Woods and Darian Thompson coming back from the dead. When I had Darian Thompson as my top safety in that draft, all of a sudden Darian Thompson is going to get the starting nod at safety for the Dallas Cowboys. The secondary was a problem moving forward. Now it just it doesn't even have haha Clinton Dix anymore. Do the Cowboys have a shot? I mean, their front seven is good, but that secondary I was worried about them last week when we did a preview. I picked the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. I'm still sticking to that. Can they hang with the Los Angeles Rams wide receivers? I, I really, I really do think they can. Um, you know, I, I really like the Cowboys' defensive line over the Rams' offensive line. 
I think I think Prescott's going to have a better game against the Rams. I mean, he has the three receiving targets. You know, the C.D. Lamb draft pick. I think that's going to really put them over the top. Aaron Donald is going to have to go against Zach Martin. So, I mean, this is this is a big week for Aaron Donald. I mean, we're going to see where he is this week. I mean, I, I, I give the edge to Aaron Donald, but I, I'm pretty sure Zach Martin's going to be able to keep him in check. Well, Jalen Ramsey is gonna is gonna be able to hold Amari Cooper in check. Uh, there's there's no question. But who's about gonna that. cover CD? And Lance. he just yeah. And who's gonna cover Michael Gallup? I, I guess that's probably the the question mark out there. Who's gonna cover those two wide receivers? Jalen Ramsey can't cover all three. But Ramsey just signed a big contract, like we were speculating. He signed a five year, a hundred and five million dollar extension that he got. 21 million per year it's the largest contract signed by a cornerback so far deandre hopkins jalen ramsey deshaun watson all these contracts it's just it's an absurd amount of money i I get that we're gonna get these contracts every year but it's just it's getting out of hand a little bit uh yeah it is but the the cap always goes up and i think i think the the owners have figured out a way to basically you know kind of kind of let off with their with their you know revenue limits and stuff like that and I think they gave they gave the players union and the benefit of the doubt and said you know we're going to keep the cap where it is and um, you know we're not going to let the coronavirus you know stop so I mean the cap the cap situations are going to be fine for these teams and that's going to be good for the NFL but I mean just an interesting storyline just to kind of tell from all this is um, you know what 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 will happen when when they negotiate again and it's like you know all of a sudden when when the owners were tested they said yeah you know we're going to keep the salary cap where it is so i think that's a big win for the players union in negotiations next time around thank you for listening to this week's show take care